Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. I begin with a question. A question that I want you to answer in your heart, but be honest with yourself. And it's a question that I've had to ask myself before. And the question is, how is your relationship with God really going? Because I know that sometimes my relationship with God can be high and it can be low. There can be days or weeks or months where I am, I am fully engaged. I am reading His Word all the time. I am praying constantly. I drive to work, worship music blaring. I'm having a little praise party in my suit, getting ready to sit at a desk all day. And I am on top of the world. It is going well. But then there are times when I'm in a bit of a rut. Haven't prayed in a while. Haven't read the word. And through no, it's through no choice of my own, but instead life just seems to get the better of me. I'm a bit busy. I'm busy doing work things. I'm busy with family. I'm even busy doing things at church. So I don't get a chance to truly connect with God. And this week, as we finish up our Get Connected series, Pastor Mel and I are going to share on how we need to be connected with God. And I'm going to be starting with how we can connect with God through the Word. Because I'm here to tell you God wants to do great things through you and with you and in you. And in the Word, we will be prepared as we spend time in the Word with God. He prepares us to do amazing things. And He gets us out of our ruts and into the good zone. So, I want to begin this morning with a bit, of, a bit of stats. I love a good stat. Anyway, there is an organization over in the US who look at how Christians and how people in general are engaging with the Bible, and they have a very creative name. They are called the Center for Bible Engagement. And in their research, they came across a finding that changed the whole operation of their organization, and it is called the Power of Four. They found that there is a significant difference in the life of people who engage with the Bible four times a week compared with any number below that. So they didn't find that there was a progressive increase of, you know, the benefits in their life. Instead, they found that one and two were really low. There wasn't much of a change in how they lived their life. Number three, there was a little bit of a, little bit of a jump. And then on number four, peaked. It absolutely spiked off the chart. And just to be clear, the four times aren't just spending an hour four times a week with your highlighter out and praying and reading the word in a focus zone. This counts as number one. You're engaging with the word on a Sunday at church counts as number one. Number two, get in a group. You got two covered. Then you might be really engaged on a Monday morning and you decide you're going to start the week with the word. You've got three in. Now all you have to do is find the fourth. Because let me tell you the benefits that come in the power of four. People who engage with the Bible four times a week were 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant. Remember that one. We'll come back to it. But some of the other things they found were that people were 30% less likely to struggle with loneliness. They were 31% less likely to struggle with forgiving others. They were 59% less likely to view pornography they were 228% more likely to share their faith with others 
That is even compared with someone who reads it three times a week. And they were 231% more likely to be discipling someone else. Clearly, reading and engaging with the Bible makes a difference. This is not just words on a page. This is not just a book. But I want to focus on the spiritually stagnant part because I know it's something that I can struggle with. And I know it's something that can come up every now and then. It creeps up on us. So what can we do about it? Well, I want to encourage us to read the Word of God. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, gets into the very depths of our being. It cuts down into into our heart, and there is spiritual power in it. And I want to encourage us that we can encounter God in the Word. We can have a spiritual experience through reading the Word of God. And I am someone who loves to think. I like to read the Word and analyze it, to conceptualize it, to think about it, to contemplate and postulate. So I like to think. And so when I read the Bible, I like to connect the dots and see how it all fits into the bigger picture. To me, that doesn't always sound like a spiritual experience. But there are definitely times where in that moment, I encounter God. In that moment, I have an experience that is undoubtedly spiritual. I'll be reading one thing and then something else will come to my mind from the Word completely from left field. I will be reminded of how I can apply this to my life. I will, be, I will have a revelation that changes how I see God. As we read the Word, we will have revelations that are spiritual encounters with God. We will, have, we will receive profound messages. We will have our spiritual batteries recharged. But I want to encourage us that this doesn't happen every time we're going to read the Bible. Romans 1 verse 17 says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, in God's word, we are, we are, it is revealed to us the righteousness of God and our faith builds and grows. See, God wants to prepare us for what he has for us. And I want to tell us that revelation comes after preparation. We need to be reading the word four times a week. We need to be reading it as much as we can so that God can have those moments of revelation with us. There are some moments, maybe you've experienced them yourself, where you have a clear, you can remember a clear moment of revelation that you've had with God when you've been reading the Word. And I've had, I had one that I want to share with you this morning. It's from a few years back. I was fortunate enough to be um, spending some time in Nepal on holidays, and I was on a hike, so I was cutting down weight, and I had my little Gideon's Bible. And it was New Year's Day, and I wanted to get New Year's Day 2012, I wanted to get my life back on track a little bit. 
New Year's resolution, I'm going to read the Bible more. So I'm sitting on a little rock, looking up at the Himalayas, which are pretty spectacular, highly recommend. But as I read John chapter 1, and I read how in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and that through Jesus all things were created, I had a moment of revelation that, hey, literally that mountain next to me was created by God. But see, this was the result of preparation in the build-up to that moment of revelation. God's Word, He wants to work with us. He wants to work through us and reveal more and more things to us. He wants to build upon the revelations He's already revealed to us, but He also wants to continue building our faith so that we're ready for the next thing He has ready to go and reveal to us. See, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 17, it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. As we read the word of God, we become thoroughly equipped for the good work he has in store for us. God has so many, so many great things in store for us. And I am so excited to see what he's going to do in my life in the lives of those around me. And so I am hungry to read his word. I am hungry and I need to be hungrier to read his word more and more so that I can become equipped for every good work. God wants to do things with us. But even as we start to read his word more, we become more reflective of Him. We become less lonely. We become more likely and willing to share God with the world around us. And we feel less spiritually stagnant. Because connecting with God has to be part of how we connect with the world. This month has all been all about getting connected to church, to groups, to serving, to prayer, And Mel's going to talk about how we can connect to God through worship. But God needs to be the first thing we connect with. Our relationship with God needs to be our top priority. And as we do that, that, we come out of our rut. We feel connected to Him and we grow hungrier and hungrier for what He has to do for us. So I'm going to hand over to Pastor Mel and she's going to wrap us up this morning. Thank you, Tim. That was brilliant. Well done. Give him another hand. Who was surprised by those stats? Anyone? Yeah. Over 200%. Who feels encouraged to read the Word of God? Yes. To read it, to let it change us, to let it do its work in us. So... The Word of God is so powerful in our lives. You know, there are, there are many spiritual disciplines as believers in Christ that we can do. But like the three basic ones are reading the Word, praying, 
which I did a whole message on uh, at the end of January this year when we were talking about Colossians, Colossians 4. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. But this morning I want to talk about the third one, which is worship. There's a scripture in John and it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in me, worship, and my words abide in you, the word of God, you can ask whatever you will, pray, and it will be done for you. Hey, how about that? Prayer, worship, and the word. There's a guy in the Old Testament and his name is Moses. You may have heard of him. He has been described as the greatest leader in the Old Testament, and I would concur with that. He had a pretty amazing job that he did. He, he had a tough task. He had to lead many, many people out of captivity, through the wilderness, and into the land that God had promised for them. It was a 40-year journey, and it was a tough job. So God's kids were in captivity and they were in Egypt and one day Moses was minding his own business, tending his sheep and God spoke to him through a bush and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell them to let my people go. Now God's plan was that, the kids would, that his kids would be freed from captivity and go to the promised land. But interestingly, when God sent Moses and Aaron into Pharaoh, this is what he said. He said in Exodus 10, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews say, how long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so that they can worship me. He didn't say, let my people go because I have a land for them to go to although he did. He didn't say, let my people go because I want them to settle in this land and be prosperous and live their lives and have children and multiply. He had all of that for them, but he said this, let my people go so they can worship me, so they can reestablish their relationship with me and put me in the correct place in their lives, and that is at the very top, that is above everything else. So how about you today? Where is he? Tim asked you, how's your relationship with God going? Is he above everything else? Worship is foundational to our relationship with God. It's foundational. The Old Testament, God said it like this, with the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other God before me. Worship is about worshipping God, not something else. And if we don't worship God at first, we will worship other things. In the New Testament, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart or your soul or your mind and all your strength. Worship is reverence. It's adoration for God. It's, it's something that as his followers, we are called to do first, to worship him to honour him, to bow down to him. You know, the angels in heaven, they understand this. And it happens in heaven 24-7. I always say that if you're not into worship, you're going to have a hard time in heaven. 
Revelations 5 says this, then I looked again and I heard the voice of thousands and millions of angels, think about that for a minute, around the throne and the living beings and the elders and they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. That just pretty much covers everything, right? That's everything. They sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one, to the one. It belongs to the one. No one else, just the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Just read the Psalms because the psalmists understood about worship and how foundational it was. Read, read anyone who's had a, in the Bible who had a vision of God, Isaiah in Isaiah 6. It was the year that King Isaiah died that I saw the Lord. Wow, how beautiful. I saw the Lord. And he was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and there were all these wild beings around him. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Holy, 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 holy. And Moses, he understood it. He cultivated his relationship with God through time in God's presence and through worshipping him and it was a distinguishing feature of Moses' life. It was a distinguishing feature. If you read about Moses, worship and time in God's presence was a distinguishing feature. And I believe it was a major reason why he was able to do what he did and become the leader that he became. In Exodus 34, it says, Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. And the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, and he called out a whole heap of things. But then in verse 8, it goes on to say that a Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshipped. Moses, Moses worshipped God. Moses knew that he was lost without God. Moses revered God. Moses had a hunger and a desire for more of God, for more of God's presence in his life. In fact, the Bible tells us that God would speak to Moses face to face, face to face, like a man speaks to his friend. In fact, when Moses came out from spending time with, with God, the Bible says that he had to have a veil across his face because they couldn't look at him because it was so bright. It shone so bright. It says that, that the, the children of Israel knew God's acts, but Moses knew his ways. So they didn't just know what he did. They, that the, the Israelites just knew what he did. But Moses, now he, he, he knew why he did it. Why? because he hungered for God. And one day Moses was up on the mountain with God. In fact, God was giving him the Ten Commandments. He was writing them on the stone, tablets. And down below the Israelites were 
well, they just got tired of waiting. Waiting for Moses, waiting for God. Anyone get tired of waiting? They got tired of waiting. And, and what, because they were tired of waiting, they actually lost the plot and fell into sin and idolatry. So just be careful when you're, t- when you're tired of waiting for God not to go off track because they just went off track. They thought, well, he's not going to come. He'll come at the right time. He'll come. Anyway, Moses, he came back down the mountain and there was this big hullabaloo because they'd been doing the wrong thing and people died and it wasn't great. And afterwards, God said this to Moses. He said, okay, these people messed up, but I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay true to what I promised them. I'm, I'm still going to get them into the promised land and I'm still going to give the promised land to them. He told Moses that despite how much they'd messed up, they would still get there. He promised them this. He promised them angels that would accompany them through the desert. He said they would have victory. He said they would possess the promised land. The land would be a good land. It would be filled with milk and honey. In fact, God says, even though you messed up, I'm giving you everything I promised you except this one thing. He said, I'm not going with you. Exodus 33, verse 3, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not be traveling among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. I've been that. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. So, what was Moses' response? Verse 15, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, (laughs) don't make us leave this place. Moses so treasured God and his presence, he did not want to go anywhere without him. It wasn't about getting what he wanted, it was about getting God. How about you? Is his presence, is worshipping and being with him your most important thing? Is, is that your priority? Beth Moore, who is a wonderful teacher of the word of God, she took this scripture in Exodus 33 verse 15 when Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. And she paraphrased it so beautiful, beautifully, I want to read it. She said this, I'd rather be right here in the thorns and the thistles and never know the taste of milk and honey if that's what it takes to have you. Let my foes keep every inch of that land If in order to possess it, I can't have you. Give me every blessing that I can have and still have you or give me nothing at all beside you. No promise on earth can take the place of your presence. I choose the desert if that's where you are. If you're not going, I'm staying. And that is the heart of a worshipper. Give me every blessing that I can have and still have you or give me nothing at all beside you. Now, of course, we know that because of what Jesus did, we can have and we do have God with us and we have all of his promises with us. But that is not the point I'm trying to make today. (laughs) The point I'm trying to make today is that although worship accomplishes many things in our lives and worship is is woven into the very fabric of my being 
Although worship takes our eyes off ourselves, which is so important. Although worship wins battles that we cannot win by ourselves. Although worship is a weapon and it opens the heavens and it opens doors. That is not the point I'm trying to make today. The most important and the first thing that worship does is it takes us into the very presence of God himself. The almighty, holy, glorious God. Worship takes us to Him. It gives us Him. And there is nothing that's more important than that. What is more important? Nothing. Not a thing. And He waits. He waits for us to acknowledge Him. He waits for us to come and and meet with him and he longs for us to come and meet with him. And not only that, not only that, his presence with you is your most distinguishing factor on this earth. His presence with you is your most distinguishing mark on this earth. Nothing can match it. Nothing. You might be the most talented person in the whole universe. You might be the most stunningly beautiful or handsome person in the whole universe. You might have the most amazing relationships. You might have more money than you know what to do with. Position, power, platform. Nothing can match God's presence with you. It is your distinguishing mark on this earth. That's why Moses said, if you don't go with us, don't make us leave. I've said to God many times, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. Because I can't do it without you. God's presence was worth everything to Moses. And that presence is with you. It's with you. So be present in his presence. Be present in the face of God himself because he wants to speak to you face to face. He's always there with you. Be there with him. That's the thing. He's always there with you. Be there with him. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.